Good afternoon, good evening, or maybe it's a good morning, but wherever you are, I hope the sun is shining because this is Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast soaking up the final rays of not only season seven, but also this late Irish summer. My name is Jamie B. Donnelly, and I am delighted to welcome you to episode 13 of season seven. We are back with you after a little repose. Last week, myself and Nitty Kassa, my sub-editor on the Storms Journal, were polishing up the look of issue three, which will be coming to you very soon. And then last Saturday, of course, I had the wonderful opportunity to host a poetry workshop, a workshop on ephrastic poetry, poetry inspired by the visual arts. And that was in Dunabate and Portran Library here in Fingal, all thanks to the wonderful, multi-talented Anne MacDonald, who has curated the Right Time Festival over the past few years. The sun shone down on us all as we shared poems, life stories, selected paintings, and I have to say, every single participant left me absolutely stunned at the work that they produced in just a matter of minutes. They certainly pulled inspiration from the canvas and put it down onto the page. So thank you so much to everyone who turned up for the workshop. And the Right Time Festival is continuing as we speak. So please check out their details and book yourself a place on one of its events. Now, here we are back with you again on Eat the Storms. We have another jam-packed episode with five guests, five diverse voices from here in Ireland over to the United Kingdom, across the ocean to Canada, and then down to Oregon in the United States for the author of our collection of the week. Thank you so much to the listeners for tuning in. It is so warming to know that you're out there listening to these inspired artists on various platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocketcast, and perhaps even iTunes. So with all that said, let's start the journey. So buckle up. Make sure there are snacks and minerals handy because this is Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast, and I'm Damien B. Donnelly, who hopes you'll enjoy the show. My first guest on the podcast today comes from Dorset in the United Kingdom a landscape that greatly influences her writing. She is no stranger to eat the storms, nor even the storms journal, and was with us last year reading poems from A Landscape with Birds, which was her debut pamphlet published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press. Today she is back again, and she will be sharing poems from her most recent pamphlet published by Hedgehog, and it's called Transformations. All poems written in response to the work and the life of Elizabeth Frank. I'm delighted to welcome back to Eat the Storms, Beth Brooke. Thanks, Damien. I'm going to read a few poems from my new pamphlet, Transformations, published by Hedgehog Press. These are all inspired by the art of Elizabeth Frink. Frink grew up during World War II and began her artistic life at the time of the Cold War and the arms race. Because of this, she was only too aware of the human propensity for greed and violence. She would have been an environmentalist had she lived, I think, today. She loved animals and they are a strong feature of her work, along with men as machines, as monsters, as vulnerable beings worthy of compassion. She spent the last 10 years of her life in Dorset 
hence me writing about her. I hope you enjoy the poems. Marching Song of the Dictators We swagger, know where the bodies are buried, don't make us mad. Avert your gaze when we visit your home, take your sister, shoot your brother. We are Vladimir, Saddam, Radovan, there are others, kings of the world. We know how to make you disappear from a public place. Contend at rise muscle without so much as raising a gloved fist. We can strip you of everything. Everything. We feel your fear. We hide our eyes from you. You cannot see us. The birdman at Manchester Airport makes his confession. We are envious, full of longing. Incapable of looking at the setting of a raspberry peach sun without desire. We want to hurl ourselves into its horizon. Possess the sunrise, the sunset, the light and the dark offered freely to every living thing. We watch hawks held in the cupped hands of the warm air and cannot help but strap our arms to crudely fashioned wings, lunge at the heavens, bold as Icarus. Baboon. Aren't we brothers under the skin? My thumbs as able to oppose as yours, as likely to rip the tenderness from fear? explore its raw edges? Don't we both make fists of ourselves? And after, when we wrap our arms around one another to comfort our regret, do we not watch the same sun bleach the morning yellow? Dog stands on spindle legs, raises his head, Ears slicked back against his skull, howls with joy at the rush of breeze, at the thousand messages it carries for him alone. Nose points the way, tugs at the leash, waits, eager for the man to catch up. Man and baboon. Sit, the baboon indicates. Here. It taps the ground, then turns its head away. The man sits, raw-skinned, muscle and feeling exposed to view, makes fists of his hands to serve in place of words. The words he does have are spat from the mouth, like loose teeth after a beating. Look, says the baboon, the forest is burning. Man and bird. Speak to me, says the crow. Give me your story. Tell me the roots and branches of where you chose to roost and build your nest. The man settles the crow upon his chest, the needle prick of its claws, a small discomfort in exchange for company, for the richness of the crow's attention. I come, he says, from the scent of the sea. I was seeded by the ocean in the valleys between chalk hills. In autumn, the hawthorns of the inland slopes are bent by salt breezes. 
and heavy with berries, crimson, tough-skinned against the blasts of winter. They were my roost. I will go there, says the crow. I will gather berries for you. The scent of the sea will be on them. It will comfort you. The unknown political prisoner reflects. I live too much inside my own head. It is the only place left to me where the dark is kind and not an instrument of torture. In my head is a whole world. The way it feels to hold an infant as she sleeps, head nestled in the hollow of my neck. The memory of a lover's mouth on mine, hungry yet restrained, grazing on the meadow of my skin. Today, I sit in the square of sunlight, note its warmth even on this winter morning. The glass and the walls keep out the wind. I imagine the sound of a stream, think I am home again, the whole day ahead of me. I pretend sleep between linen sheets, pretend permission to sing or not to sing without fear of consequence. This next poem is based on one of Elizabeth's many prints on the subject of the green man. Green man. O Lord, open thou our lips and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. From the Book of Common Prayer. Praise climbs out of my mouth clings to my cheeks like ivory on the wall of a garden, searches for the wildness and wildernesses in which to grow. The leaves unfurl and soon there will be a blossoming. Bees will come, sip the sweetness in my eyes and vibrate their wings in a hymn to abundance. My limbs will become branches where birds will roost make chicks of eggs, sing all the while as though the world depended on it, and we were equal voices in its song. This is my last poem, The Transformation of Turmoil. Iron splinters fell like heavy rain after a sodden summer. Towns and cities drowned in rubble, it costs so very much to keep wading through. Sometimes we thought we wouldn't reach the other side. We walked where ragged sticks of men regarded us. Some had eaten their own hearts to stay alive. We had no words to comfort them. Twice we saw death, like a poisonous mushroom, toss out its spores. However high we built our walls, fear drifted over them. Like thistle down, it settled everywhere. Some of us did the only thing we knew to do. We turned the soil, pulled out the poison roots, saw what would grow, planted, learned to think of it as beautiful. Thank you.
For my next guest, a first time to eat the storms, we're heading from Dorset in the United Kingdom to Toronto in Canada for a poet, visual artist and author. His debut poetry collection, Omni Shambles, which you're going to hear today, will be published next month by the always exceptional Ice Flow Press, so therefore it is a joy to have him with us on the podcast. His debut poetry chapbook, which was called In Flocks of Three to Five, came out in 2020, and he followed that with a second chapbook called Incubus in the same year. When work appearing or forthcoming in places like Ghost City Review, Steel Incisors and Above Ground Press, I'm delighted to welcome to Eat the Storms, Samuel Strathman. Hello, my name is Samuel Strathman. Uh, and I'm going to be reading from my poetry collection, Omni Shambles, published by Ice Flow Press. Thank you to Damien for having me on here. And I will read the title poem to start. Some nights, while tagging along with the chrysalis, avenues present themselves, places that meet the scimitar or a cutting board, or become the fire that cooks the fish. Saucepan eyes unblinking as they, they're tossed into the pot. A red ant colony is up in arms over their hill being divested. Raccoons cry in impatience while on a scavenger hunt for pickled herring. We've yet to witness a brain spraying on the inside of a microwave. We're not seasoned enough for that. But we are thankful for incendiary agents in action, flitting through conduits and capillaries to seed infection. The discord between mind and matter is abominable. A fire that can be prevented. For the next poem, I'm going to read Night Drive. Everything looks the same along a dark highway, stuck in a tar room where the only light shimmers between my fingers, threatening to go out at any second. A car appears behind me now and then. Seeing a vehicle in the wee hours plays Nicky Nicky Nine Doors on my sensibilities with an iron fist. I feel the wrath, or maybe it's a chill that raises my neck hairs. How long have I been driving for? Perhaps I stopped back when that car was driving on the wrong side of the road? I thought it was weird how we were converging one second, gone the next. My car takes off in the air. I don't know where I'm going, except that it's anywhere but down. The skyway is a star-studded crucifix, fading with the growing realization that I'm not here or anywhere Trapped in the Vortex. Next poem I'm going to read is Thicket Man. You meet while taking a leak on the same bush, a hitchhiker hitching in his hometown. 
a phantasmagoria of telenovelas. A raccoon caught scaling the world's tallest skyscraper on camera, raised by trees on the larva diet, reeking of mothballs and mortician cologne. Farley Avenue is named after his great-great-grandfather. When you ask, which Farley? He looks lost, shrugging his shoulders with childish naivety. Follow him to the wood chipper. You'll be amazed by the mashed beach balls you'll find in there. How easy it is to turn the machine on from inside, he'll say, as you step on in. Next poem I'm going to read is called Replacements. Children run to the forest, laughing and playing, returning solemn. At mealtimes, they eat both food and plate without pause. Storms keep little ones awake at night, consulting nocturnes on the wall in goidelic tongues. Gossip circulates about the changelings. Parents drop like flies, offspring hovering above them unperturbed. Special agents and priests question the suspects, leaving with less information than they started with. These are not our children. Last one I'm going to read is called Tinted Windows. The car across the street has tinted windows, electrocuting the weather vane inside of me. It's intent on watching me as much as I am intent on watching it. Better stay inside, play the paying customer, renege on all commitments. High time I checked myself in someplace safe behind the time wall. Silver linings skip from room to room, close but, ne but beyond my grasps. Sun tickles my hand, tables go quiet before the window rolls down. It's my twin accepting a package from a food runner I can tell by the size of the container that it's the same thing I always order. Steak and prawns. Light on surf, heavy on the turf. Thank you so much for listening. My next guest is no stranger to each of the storms and so I'm delighted to welcome her back for what I think will be her third appearance now over the past seven seasons and it's always a joy to have her with us. Her work has appeared in places like the Rialto, Bat Magazine, Poetry Ireland, Banshee Review, the London Magazine and Propel 
And in May 2023, her debut pamphlet, Plastic Tubes Little Bird, was published by the brilliant Broken Sleep Press. Now, no stranger herself to podcasting and producing, along with Dr. Charlie Burns, she co-hosts the podcast, What We've Been Reading. And coming in February 2024 is a collection that both herself and Charlie have written together called Free Bleeding. Also, in 2025, her micro-collection, Portrait in Mustard, will be published by Siren Press. Joining us today to share poems not only from her pamphlet, but also from that forthcoming micro-collection, I'm so excited to hand you over to the always incredible Wendy Allen. Hello, my name is Wendy Allen, and thank you, Damien, for inviting me to come on Eat the Storms. Eat the Storms was the first podcast that I ever came on when I read poems from my micro-pamphlet, The Trickle Textbook. And today, I'm coming back to read some poems. Um, I'm going to read one poem from my debut pamphlet, which was um, released on May the 31st of this year, Plastic Tube Little Bird. And, so, you know, I've made no secret of the fact I like to write about sex and menstruation, but this pamphlet, I think, shows how, like, I was falling in love with the work of Barbara Hepworth. From this point, I didn't realise at the time. And since then, I've gone to write further about her work. And I've just finished a collection on Barbara Hepworth's sculptures. And also a relationship with Concrete, um, which was funded by the Arts Council of England for the Developing Your Creative Practice grant and I absolutely love that time having spent researching and looking at the art and just learning um, more about how to write and how much like time is a part of writing. So I'm going to read the first poem is from my um, pamphlet and it's called Barbara. Barbara, the curve of the sculpture I look at in your garden makes the plate I eat off later appear square. I compare it to how you would have made it. Your curves are laced intricately, woven with the sides of being a woman, desire tied into the hard steel fixings, the smooth part of hip liquid yet solid under each gaze. You would have made this grey plate search for the intimate. Holding a baby, the plate would still be tender even when empty. You would have made the plate, smoked a cigarette. Your fingers tracing spaces in the air as you observe your circle turning square. The next few poems I'm going to read are from my forthcoming micro book so between a pamphlet and a collection which is coming out with seven in 2025 the first one i'm going to read is called pre-order pre-order i know which book you are talking about and when you say you have looked inside i have done the same i'm afraid to read it i feel too much most of the time When we met and shared a room in Oxford, I saw everything as it would appear in a future poem. 
The part when I changed my dress when we got back is there. Friday the 2nd, 10.17pm and I am braless stepping into a too long dress. 7.01am, I wanted to wake before you, not sleep in. I have told you everything now. On the second Zoom when I cried in front of you, there was a pool of tears on the floor beneath me like the amount of blood my cup holds. I sobbed then, that you could tell how much sadness I hold inside like a menstrual tide of want. I wonder if others feel like we do. I want to measure how much I want him with a TENS machine. I don't think the gauge goes high enough. The next poem I'm going to read was published in Propel, which is a brilliant online journal which um, publishes poets who have not yet published a full collection. I was lucky enough to be in issue one. Patriarchy. When I pull out my menstrual cup, I'm drugged by the heavy, silent sleep that accompanies bleeding and knocked my bloodied cup to the floor. My red spilt milk remains within the confines of the fake Victorian tiles as if afraid of spreading outside of the lines. I do not cry, but clean it up. When I return later... I can still see the outline of this perfect pool of blood on the porcelain and I choose to leave it there. The next poem I'm going to read is called Wolf Cape. It was recently published in Poetry Island Review um, and this time I was really I really, really love the prose poem and um, I've been recently working with Anthony Naksaguru and I've written this poem in a different form in a series of couplets and tercets. Wolf Cape. I think of Red Riding Hood when I hear clots fall onto the tiles, footsteps avoiding the wolf, my feet brace bloody against the floor. When I empty my cup, my fingers dipped in the pool of myself I want to wipe them on the back of my collots. Would people notice how the shade matches the front cover of Vogue? I wear my beret. People comment, I love that shade on you. I tell them I stole it from inside my blood. I've spent too long hiding the prettiest colour I own. I boil my cup fully before my friends come for dinner. Nobody bothers to mention the wolf again, who for now remains absent. The next two poems I'm going to read are from my latest um, collection on Barbara Hepworth. Um, the first of which was published in the final issue of the most beautiful uh, journal, The Moth. At the start of all of this, you say it is too complex to explain and I have imagined over and over what this could mean. I wanted more arch, more green. I wanted to see the shape of you again, feel the height of your orgasm inside me. 
I wanted a patina that mimics us. I say, I'm happy with all of this. We both stand back and admire the way we carve out lies, which fuels the desire for a larger sculpture, one where we can fit inside a vast net of attraction and the growing sense of no truth. I cry out, watch me as you make me come, and this involves a huge internal structure to support such mistruth. I don't want just hands and knickers and the smell of myself. Make me come means I will cry afterwards and sit on the opposite side of the plinth and try not to fall off as I look at you above whilst half looking down on myself at the same time. From here, I see how I am the small part in your life and I walk away from Sculpture 14. I read later it was originally cast in concrete and I'm glad for this fact. The next poem I'm going to read again comes from this new collection and is called Reference Book and was published last week on Bath Mag. Reference Book. You lend me a book that says concrete has a shelf life. You clarify the point by highlighting the text that says its lifespan is set by durability, which sounds both theoretical and fictitious. I'm thinking of 14 years. You say the real time frame is longer than a relationship can withstand. For the next four weeks, I time my climaxes. The clock's open yearn mimics a digital sculptural arc. My manifesto ends. In the book you lent me, the page we discussed is folded over discreetly. It smells of fuchsia, vulva and nine minutes of coming, which is in fact 14 years of lasting. Thank you so much, Damien, for this and also for all the work you do in showcasing and um, highlighting the work of poets. I came on this podcast really early on in my writing and you know what it was such a highlight for me and I really love listening to Eat the Storms. Thank you so much for listening. For my next guest today, we are coming back from the United Kingdom and settling down here in Ireland, this time in Galway, for a poet who has been living there for the past 48 years, a former IT manager and now with a degree in English and over 40 poems published in the past two years. He's a recipient of the recently introduced Basic Income for the Arts for Literature and I first got to know of his poetry thanks to Catherine Ann Cullen and her poetry prompts on Twitter as part of her role as Poet-in-Residence at Poetry Ireland during Covid when we were all locked in but desperate to find ways to connect. I'm delighted to welcome him back to the podcast today. Here on Eat the Storms, this is Liam Flanagan. Oh yeah, um, today I'm going to read two poems for you. Um, the first poem is called The Smile. Um, I got my inspiration for this poem 
from Tom York and Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. Their new album is called The Smile. And supposedly it's referring to the, the fake smile you, you see very often on politicians' faces. So this poem was written with politicians in mind. The smile. Look me in the eye and tell me the truth. Rooted in your language, contradiction and vagueness. Save us from your lies and fake smile. Try to deceive and hoodwink. Think about trying to go through life with ambiguity and spin. Thin is the line between integrity and hypocrisy. Bureaucracy. Tying red tape around the neck of the people trying to breathe. Greed brings you to the surface of the swamp you inhabit, dragging your prey underneath to drown out the calls for equity and equality. This second poem is called Metamorphosis. It's a meditative piece um, in relation to the concept of the self and um, how we all have to adapt and change to the circumstances we find ourselves in. Metamorphosis, sitting quietly with oneself, contemplating the essence to be found in the body and the mind, an identity formed from a combination of genes and experience. Or is there another part of being which defines who we are? A spirit which wanders and weaves through the corridors of life, each change of direction requiring an adjustment to who we are. Not a constant like a rock which cannot be reshaped, or a river which flows and refuses to be redirected. We are never always the same, and so often the opposite. Now my final guest today on Eat the Storms is the author of our collection of the week, If the World Were a Quilt, and I'm delighted to welcome them back again as a frequent guest here on Eat the Storms, and also the creator of the podcast series Sunday Sweet Chats, which I was very lucky to be a part of season two, which is currently running over on YouTube, where they interview one poet every Sunday to talk not only about the sweetness of their poetry, but also the sweet things they like on their plate. It always encourages me to see poets embrace the community and share the work of fellow writers. The stage is far too lonely a place to stand in the spotlight alone. They are a queer poet and educator, originally from Iowa, but recently settling in after a move to Oregon with their husband and all of their spoiled pets. Their chapbooks include Salem Revisited and Splinters, and their debut collection, Read My Lips, was published in 2022 by David Robert Books. Sunday Sweet Chats, as I just mentioned, started off live to coincide with the release of their recent chapbook, Artificial Sweetness, from Finishing Line Press. But today, sharing poems from that upcoming collection, If the World Were a Quilt, our collection of the week, now available to pre-order from Kelsey Books, I'm delighted to hand you over to Charles K. Carter. 
Hello, my name is Charles K. Carter, and I'm a queer poet for the United States with a new poetry collection that's coming out this autumn, and it's called If the World Were a Quilt. The first poem I'm going to read today is the title poem, If the World Were a Quilt. If the world were a quilt, it would be decorated in an array of colors, the reds of lava and oranges of fires blaze, yellows of tropical birds, the green grasses, blue whales, violets, shades of all people found there, shades of the seas, the shades in the patches of forests and jungles and swamps, mountains and sandy desert terrains, the patterns of cheetahs and orcas, fox and rattlesnakes, the brightness of a summer dandelion, darkness of the deepest cave, its contrasts of beauty abound. If the world were a quilt, we could see all of its colors laid out and patched together with the love of Mother Nature's gentle stitching. With the loving act of creation, would we learn to respect it? Would we wrap it around ourselves and allow ourselves to become one with its warmth, with its softness? If the world were a quilt, would we protect it? Or would we destroy it, ripping the seams and pulling it apart thread by thread, throwing its tattered remains to the curbside of the Milky Way? ignoring all of its colors, all of its beauty, all of its joy. If the world were a quilt, would it remedy our loneliness? Would we find a way to call this place home? So If the World Were a Quilt comes out either the end of October, beginning of November from Kelsey Books. This is my second full-length collection of poetry, and it really focuses on the struggle of belonging to the world. That includes the struggle to belonging to a family, a community, society, a country, as well as what it means to belong to a world as a human, when we so often try to separate ourselves from the natural world. But can we ever really hide our social animal instincts? This next poem is called Birthright, and it was originally published by Fevers of the Mind. My father is the fly that circles around dead and already digested things, drinking his diet of decay, dreaming of nothing grander than this fly-by dive, thriving on destruction. Eventually he developed into what he consumes, a diminished fraction of what he once was, a dim decaying shell of a bug, buzzing circles around his deformed body's demolition. I am a product of reproduction. I am a fly because my father was. But I have a fondness for the sweeter things. I find fulfillment on ripened fruit. The pulpy pit of a peach pulls me away from the puzzling predicament of my fly status birthright. I may be from the Diptera order, but I will paint these wings, hope for a butterfly's beauty or a dragonfly's grace. This next one is one of my favorites in the collection. It's called Man Sows His Fears to the Feathers of a Predatory Bird. I am a hawk, flying above it all, seeing all the congregations of beings below, productive ants building hills and tunnels, bee colonies letting sweetness into the atmosphere, flocks of smaller birds migrating in sharp formations, humans making love under the stars. But where is my community? Sometimes I can't stand to see the joy in others, that they can belong when I do not belong to anyone. I do not belong to anything but cold nights and biting winds. So I will fly up, 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 until I'm free-floating in outer space, suffocating on craving. Mm -hmm. 
This next poem is called Desert Flower. He was always poking her with cactus needles and calling it love. She pretended to be a desert porcupine, always realigning herself to receive his touch. He was always crying, rushing rivers, begging for her to soothe his bruised ego once again. She was a desert octopus, always hiding out from his reign. He was always a snake's rhythmic rattle, hypnotizing her childlike needs. She was a desert mouse, trusting the rattle more than the rustling grass. He was always slipping away like sand, disappearing into a mirage for days on end. She treats heartache with aloe vera as if it were a burn, hoping he will return to her once again, even though she blooms better without him. This next one is a short one that was originally published in Beyond Words, Beyond Queer Poem Poetry Anthology. This is called The Art of Leaving. When I left him, I made sure to water him and tilt him to the sun. When he left me, he dug up my roots, trampled me, he left me wilted. But I will survive, will entangle myself, find holy ground again. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much, Damien, for inviting me to join the Eat the Storms Poetry Podcast yet again. Um, you can follow me on social media at CKC Poetry to access more information about the book and how to order it as that information becomes available. I have one more poem to read for you, and that is called After All This Pressure, and that was originally published by Padler Press. Dinosaurs died out, but after millions of years of decomposing and earthly pressure, they adventure on fueling life-saving backup power sources for respirators and cell phones, fueling fun summer road trips down the west coast's windy highways. And now, fossil-fueled jet planes let the ferocious six-ton Tyrannosaurus Rex fly through the clouds. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Thank you so much, Charles, for ending us there and congratulations on the upcoming launch of your new collection. Now, just before I leave you today, I'm going to leave you with one poem. And I thought as I gave the Ephrastic workshop last week, I'd share with you one Ephrastic poem. This poem is called Monochrome and it's inspired by Georges Seurat and his study or his sketch called L'Enfant Blanc, The White Child, which he did in 1884 to 1885. It's a study in crayon, a study of a child in a simple dress wearing a bonnet. It's all suggestion, there are no details here. So the poem is inspired by that drawing and also by the life of Georges himself who died in his early 30s, an unknown artist in Paris. He was buried in Perlachaise. And two weeks after he died, his son Pierre died. And seemingly a few weeks after that, his wife, who had been pregnant at the time of his death, had a miscarriage and lost her second child. This is called Monochrome. A study in white, in crayon, on paper, under bonnet. 
in preparation for a canvas of greater scale, of more colour and bonnets, and all his light before it blew out, buried now by a tree under concrete in a park where people come to study. L'Enfant Blanc, blurred on the page, compressed in crayon, almost in absence, as if to remember was too much, as if knowing it would never be finished before the fade. No detail after death, after the light goes out below the bonnet, Pierre et Georges, Georges and then Pierre, les pères et leurs enfants, children and art, but only the canvas survived the concrete. Good evening, good afternoon, or maybe even a good morning with us here at Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast, because we've just come to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether that's been on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castbox, or even iTunes. We will be back with you again next week for episode 14, one stop away from ending season seven. But my God, what a packed season it has been with absolutely astounding voices. And today, those astounding voices came from Beth Brook, Samuel Strathman, Wendy Allen, Liam Flanagan, and the author of our collection of the week, If the World Were a Quilt, Charles K. Carter. As always, for details and all of my guests, head on over to www.eatthestorms.com. Click on the podcast section called Listen to the Podcast. And there you will find a blog post for every episode. This was episode 13, season 7. And in that blog post, you will find photos, bios, all the social media handles you will need to find, follow and be absolutely fantastic fans of all of my guests. As mentioned earlier on the podcast... It is the time of the Right Time Festival, which is happening in various places around Fingal here in Dublin. So please check out their website and if you can, sign up and take part in one of their extraordinary events. Huge shout out again to a former Storms guest, Anne MacDonald, who is the curator of that festival. And speaking of festivals in Fingal, the poetry, the Fingal Poetry Festival is taking place this coming week. So check out their details. I'm definitely looking forward to attending the Fingal Poetry Slam, which I came third in last year. But this time I'm delighted to be able to sit back and just enjoy without having to be nervous and participate. A shout out, of course, to Anique Yerum and Larissa Reed because She Press are about to launch the release of their latest anthology, Glisk and Glimmer. It's going to take place on the 21st of September over on Zoom, so make sure you book your ticket early. 
The copy of the anthology of which I have a poem included arrived just this week. It's now available on Amazon and I spent the past few days reading through it and it really is an illuminating read. Congratulations to the pair of them and all their contributors. Now that's it for me. I'm off to enjoy the rest of this Saturday sunshine. Although first of all, I have to go and have my ears unblocked. So if today I sounded like I was shouting, well, I was because I can't hear myself. Anyway, that's it from me. My name is Damien B. Donnelly. This has been Eat the Storms. You have been incredible listeners. And until next time, make sure that you all stay bloody poetic. Oh, thank you.